This is the Emergency Medical Minute. The Emergency Medical Minute is excited to announce that we are now offering AMA, PRA, Category 1 credits via online course modules. To access these and for more information, visit our website at www.emergencymedicalminute.com backslash CME-courses or simply click on the link in our show notes and create an account. In early March, before the effects of COVID-19 swept the nation, the Emergency Medical Minute collaborated with CarePoint Health to host a brewcast on pediatric emergencies. Here is Dr. Parisa Jamshidi presenting on common respiratory conditions in pediatric patients. Hi, my name is Parisa Jamshidi. I know what some of you, I'm one of the pediatric ER physicians. I'm going to talk about some of the respiratory illnesses that's common right now. And one of the most common right now is bronchiolitis. So bronchiolitis is a clinical syndrome of a respiratory distress that usually happens in children less than two years of age and is characterized by upper respiratory symptoms. You know, they start with rhinorrhea and then it advances down to the lower bronchioles and makes a inflammation and infection and which results in wheezing and crackles. So bronchiolitis usually occurs with the typical, it's a primary infection, but it can be a reinfection. And very, very rarely, if you have it in the older children, can be mycoplasma pneumonia. It's the same with croup, by the way. So forget about it. We do not give antibiotic to any of those. In young children, the clinical syndrome of bronchiolitis may overlap the viral recurrence with the reactive airway disease. And this is why in the treatment, I'm going to talk about that. So severity, you want to see persistently increased respiratory effort. You're going to see a tachypneal, nasal flaring, intercostal, subcostal, suprasternal retraction, accessory muscle use and grunting, and you repeat them every 15 minutes to see how the baby is doing. Hypoxemia, this is for the sea level, 95%. You know that in Colorado, we are 90 to 91%, less than that. Apnea, especially in a newborn, they will develop apnea. My theory is they are laying down and the nasal, that, especially RSV, that the runny nose is so bad, it's like a faucet. When they are laying down, it goes in the back of their throat. They cannot clean it and they go apneic. And acute respiratory failure, of course. Who do you hospitalize? If, of course, if they look toxic, you know, they look horrible, they have a poor feeding, lethargy, or dehydration. If they are moderate to severe respiratory distress, if they have apnea, or they are hypoxemia with or without uh, hypercapnia, we never check their hypercapnia. Yes, we never check their blood gas. So hypoxia is enough for us. Um, parents that were unable to take care of them at home. If you have somebody that's too far, if they don't have a car, they don't understand what are you saying, it's safer to stay in hospital. So what do you do for the treatment? That was the one. You can try one time the bronchial dilator. And why? Because they can be the first time visitor with the reactive airway disease. That's a trial. The difference between asthma and bronchiolitis is the pathogenesis. So in asthma, there is a bronchoconstriction. So you will have a bronchodilator and it will respond. In bronchiolitis, it's the inflammation with the virus. So the virus is the one that's doing the damage. It's not a bronchoconstriction, so they would not 
respond if they don't have reactive early disease. It's the same with glucocorticoid. So I did say that nebulized hypertonic saline we are not recommending to use in the emergency department, but it's very mainly used for the inpatient. It's the same thing. It's osmotic. It will suck up the you know inflammation. Glucocorticoids, as I mentioned, you know, the pathogenesis is different than asthma, so it doesn't work, we don't recommend at all. Unless if you think that they are asthma, yes, if they respond, you can try it. Any question for bronchiolitis? Yes, sir. Usually no, you can, it was in the thing too. If you think that there is a group component, you can use it, it can be together. Remember, they can have a croup and bronchiolitis together, yes? The virus coming from the nose can get your larynx and go to your bronchioles. So we have something that they're sexually getting, but it uh -huh. So it's the same thing with us. We usually keep them, especially the age. For me, the age is the most important part. If you have a little one, less than six months old, that's hypoxic, I do recommend very highly to keep in a hospital. They are already hypoxic. And the day of the occurrence is another thing. If you have a day one that's hypoxic, it's gonna get worse. It gets worse before it gets better. It's three, four days of the disease will be worse at third or fourth night, always. So if you have a day one that's iffy, believe me, day four, they're gonna get admitted. So you better keep them in a hospital. Yes, sir. Yes, we do have a protocol for that. It's more than six months of age. They should not leave more than 8,000 higher, and you're gonna watch them for at least, according to children's that they come up, it was eight hours, and they are really watching for nine hours. Let me tell you, I saw two of their children, and you watch them, and they should not have more than 0.5 liters requirement of oxygen. So yes, you can. My other problem is, if you have a toddlers that are very hypoxic, it's not during the sleep, it's all true, they're not gonna keep that oxygen. They're gonna rip it off. So you better keep them in a hospital at least for a day or two. Okay, I pass to croup. So croup is a respiratory illness that comes with a strider, barky cough, and hoarse voice. These symptoms result from the inflammation in the larynx and subglottic. This is what I said. You know, it comes from the up and it's over this one. So diagnosis of croup is clinical. So based on the presence of barky cough and stridor, especially during the common viruses, uh, neither radiograph or lab is necessary. You do a radiograph to rule out other differential diagnoses. So you gave her a semi they didn't get better. You think of something else. Yes, so you can do an x-ray for foreign body, epiglottitis, laryngeal web, or blah, blah, blah. You know, everything else. So how do you treat the croup? This is a mild croup. We see a lot of them in emergency room. They usually should go to their primary doctor, but they end up in the ER too. So one of the first one is a single dose of dexamethasone. There's a debate about how much to give is 0.15 to 0.6 milligram per kg because it's one dose. Usually in our ER, we do use 0.6 milligram. I do round it according to you know, don't give a funny numbers. 6.2 is funny, you know, six milligram. Our vials, I don't know what is in your hospital. We have a 10 milligram in milliliter at Sky Ridge, and we have four in a milliliter at Rocky Mountain. So I go with that. So I don't want to waste the vial. And the maximum dose is 16 milligram. So for the mild one, 
You don't need to do with the Rasemekepi. Typically, you don't give a Rasemekepi. Sometimes I do if it's in the middle of night and, you know, I can't send them home. So I give them one because I'm going to watch them anyway. If they are very excited, if they are having a strider. I didn't talk about it. I'm just going to talk a little bit. If you have a subglottic, inflammation comes and makes a fixed obstruction. In the cartilaginous, the cricoid cartilage is fixed. So the swelling will make a fixed obstruction. And you have a strider at rest. The second one is when you have a children that are crying, irritable, agitated. There would be a turbulence and it will make a obstruction as well. This is why you keep them quiet. This is why you see them when they are crying, it's more of the strider. Children with croup that tolerating fluids have not received nebulizer AP can be sent home with the follow-up. It can be by the phone and has been arranged and you will give them an indication when to come back. If they have a severe or moderate croup, Number one, you approach them cautiously, as I explained to you, that if they are excited, you know, it's going to get worse. So usually we ask them to be kept on the mother's lap and we give them a nebulizer epi as quickly as possible. And you should watch them very carefully because they may need some bag and mask or intubation. It's again, dexamethasone is 0.6 milligram per kg, maximum 16 milligram as soon as they come. If they don't take it, it's so hectic, you can always use a budenoside. You never do. I think that we always give a dexamethasone. Dexamethasone takes at least one hour to work. So it's one to two hours. This is why you get time with racemicapi. So racemicapi takes within a minute, five to 10 minutes, it's effective. The maximum is half an hour. So within half an hour, you have the effectiveness. It lasts up to two hours. This is why that minimum, you watch them for two hours. So I wrote it down for you, Rasemikepi, the dose is 0.05 and the maximum is 0.5. If you don't have it, you can always use the regular epinephrine, one in 1,000, and that's the dose is 0.5 milliliter per kg, and the maximum is 5 milliliter. And besides that, you continue with the supportive treatment, a humidified air or oxygen, antipyretic, and encouraged for fluid intake. One of the things that I did include that one, I think it's a complication of a croup, and we saw it a lot this year. Especially if your croup happened with influenza. Even though that they are saying it's the less, the croup happens, number one, with para-influenza 1 and 3 is the most common reason. The 2 is more significant, and influenza is less Actually, there is a coronavirus there that it was found out in 2004, and this is not the same as COVID-19. It's much milder. And RSV can do it, you know, rhinovirus. We had a lot of rhinovirus with the group. So any respiratory virus that you can think can do a group. Adenovirus would be a one with very, you know, high fever and everything. So influenza is one of your worst one. And we did see so many, and we are giving them a dexamethasone, remember. So they have a more chance of having bacterial tracheitis. So these are bacterial superinfection, and you see here, I cannot show you, this is the laryngoscopy, and there's a thick pus over the bottom. And there's the ulceration pseudomembranos, and usually the subglottic tissue is normal. So these kids were improving. They had a croup, they were doing well, and then suddenly they are horrible. They have a high fever, they are drooling, they look toxic, they are bad. So think about bacterial tracheitis. 
okay, discharge criteria, of course, that they shouldn't have any strider at rest. So we give one dose of resemikepi, uh, we watch them for two hours. At the end, they should have all of this criteria to be able to go. If between, let's say, within two hours or at the end, they have a strider, they still have a strider, we do try another one. And we keep them another two hours. If you cannot, you cannot. If you are nervous, you can admit those children. So there should be no strider, their pulse ox should be normal, they should have a good air exchange, normal color, normal level of consciousness, and they can take by mouth, and the caregiver is understanding. So I have a case, this is a typical one of the group, it's a 16-month-old, woke up at 2 a.m. with a barky cough, noisy breathing, and voice is hoarse, had two days of a fever and runny nose, vital signs, the fever is 102.6, respiratory rate is 60, pulse ox is 95. On physical exam, she has a strider at rest, she has some uh, subcostal retraction. What would be the immediate treatment and what would you do on any lab or x-rays? What's the treatment? Dexamethasone and resimikepi right away. Let's see, this is my patient at Skyridge. And I have a website that can go and you can click on it. I cannot click on okay. You see that kid is retracting all the way through and that's the pulse ox that's beeping. And she's nervous, she's looking around and she has a strider. I don't know that you noticed. And the strider was biphasic. This one, so it's worse. Yes, if you are... <laughs> this is worse than just inspired. Okay, so we had the treatment, so dexamethasone was the one, and we gave her a semicapine to this one. We tried to keep her comfortable. She was sitting in mother's lap. Did you notice that? Yes, sir. Repeat. No, repeat of the strider. They can have it, they can continue with the symptoms. Respiratory distress, hypoxia, they are lethargic, they are not feeding well, so they come back. And we see a lot of them. One of the recent ones that I saw, and I was very amazed, that how children sent a three-month-old home that their own protocol is six months. And it was day one, you know, that, that's the problem. If you have a day one kid with a problem, you know, that would be... Uh... Yes. The progress, yes, one of the biggest one is the how long is the symptoms. You know, if you have a child that was fine going to bed, woke up so horrible, that one, the chance of coming back is higher. I myself give them another dose of dexamethasone at home because their worst night, everybody's worst night is the third night. It's not the first night. Uh, I don't, I usually say give it if they have a strider at rest or barky cough, and it's at least 24 hours. Now, the uh, dexamethasone will be effective within one to two hours. Best effect is eight, lasts up to 36 hours. And then the thing is up to. Some people are eating it faster. So usually it lasts to 24 hours. Became. Okay, so we did, and this is after, and this is the same kit. After uh, two, resemikepi. A little bit, but you see that she's not retracting anymore. Her pulse ox is 100%. She's playing. She's happy. So I'm okay to send her home. You see how good she looks? I should have asked her to wave to me. Okay. Okay, so yes. 
differentiation of every sound and I don't know that you're gonna get it if they can send you all of the slides you can click on that one and you will have all of the noises there's a lot of noises there there's a wheezing and ronkai and crackles everyone is there so strider is a high pitch is inspiratory yes wheezing is expiratory so you listen to the patient and it's and usually you need a stethoscope for wheezing. For strider, you don't need it. And the other one is stator is snoring. After I treat the croups, most of them will snore. They are comfortable and they sleep and parents will think that's still strider. Just go ahead and give them a reassurance that this is not. Okay, somebody asked me to do a high flow. <laughs> so I'm gonna talk about it. I'm not an expert on high flow. This is new for me as well. So high flow is also referred to heated humidified high flow nasal cannula and it's adjustable mixture of heated and humidified air and oxygen at rates that exceeds the normal spontaneous inspiratory flow. There is no single definition and you can give between two to 70 liter per minute of a high flow. And right now we are doing more and more of a high flow. It's easy to apply and it's tolerated. And originally it was only in the ICU, but right now we are using it in the pediatric floor and in emergency room. What's the indication for high flow? Respiratory distress, asthma, tracheomalacia, if it's very bad, you know, if they are retracting and they need a surgery, this is not for every tracheomalacia. If you want to pre-oxygenate before the intubation, if they need more oxygen that you can give it by the bag and mask, you can put a high flow on them. I never use for that. And if they have a bronchospasm, it's better to give a humidified. High flow is with humidified than the dry oxygen. And you don't need to change them. You can just keep it on. And of course, if they have a hypoxic respiratory failure, contraindication, if they are hypercarbic respiratory failure, it would not exchange the thing you need to intubate. Facial anomalies, excessive oral or nasal secretion, active vomiting and bowel obstruction, of course, you're giving a high flow, it would be worse. And leak is the same as a bowel obstruction. If there's a pneumothorax, pneumomediastinum, and if there's an agitation or confusion, and they cannot tolerate it. So initial setting, the thing that I know, it's just this one. It has to be a temperature is 37. You start with one, two liter per kg up to maximum. I'm gonna give you the maximum flow rate. And the FiO2 is between the room air to 100% and you do not want 100% oxygen. So you dial it down. Yes, you keep it around 94 to 99%. So that's the high flow. This is the chart for it, that how much is the maximum for each age. Any question? I do, I do consider the age of the patient. If they're less than three months, I absolutely admit them. Group is a disease between six months to six years of age. If you are something besides that, be more careful. And we do, if they are the first day and they need more, they're gonna get worse. So I am more with the duration of illness and age of the child. Any other one? I exceeded the 10 minutes, I'm so sorry. And Chris, thank you. We are on a quest to provide the world with free medical education.
Please help us out by rating us on iTunes, following us on social media, and subscribing to our newsletter at emergencymedicalminute.com.